We're going to start in uh, John 18 today uh, with uh, Jesus before Pilate as we try to try to understand what we're uh, talking about as uh, God reigning and then what does that mean for us and how might that work in the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, I know as we go through these texts and we're in, uh, is this the 13th sermon on heaven? Um, it's hard for us sometimes because none of us have experienced this. We're just taking on God's word, <laughs> which is obviously not a bad thing to do. Uh, but we we look at uh, the world and the way Jesus is using the term here. We'll explain as we go. So this is Pilate entering his headquarters and calls Jesus and says to him, are you the king of the Jews? So we're already talking about ruling here. Jesus answered, do you say this on your own accord or did others say it about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting and I might not deliver it over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? So Jesus is talking about the world there in a way that we have to be careful. We're not talking about that Jesus is rejecting the current world. He's talking about, he says the second time even, I'm not from this world. He is from above. We know that. Maybe we can look at it, the difference between earthly and worldly. When you go back to Genesis 2, which sums up Genesis 1, at least the first verse does, it said the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And if you remember in the creation, what did God see it as? He created the animals and then he saw that it was good. This is all good. This is not bad. But something happened. You get to Genesis 3. So it started out good. And as we read the scriptures, it will end up perfect. But in the in the middle of that, we'll have trouble. Jesus actually said that at the end of uh, John 16. In this world, this world, you will have trouble. He's talking to his disciples there, but I think by inference, it's anybody who follows Jesus or belongs to Jesus, as we've been talking about. But John hits it a little different. So how are we defining this? This is, is Are we talking about just the physical world itself that will be renewed in the new heaven and the new earth? Or are we talking about the way the world acts, what the powers of the world is? This is what John is talking about in his first letter. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Now, is he saying, don't love anything here? No, he's, that world there is the, the powers of darkness, the evil, the things that are against God, that sets it up against God. This is what he's talking. You've got to know the difference. Because wh why am I hitting this? Because we tend to think, well, everything physical, well, that's earth, that's world. God didn't, Jesus wasn't from that. And what happens, and it happened over time, it's not the way we should look at Christianity, but things that were temporal, things that were earthy, things that were physical became bad in some people's eyes. 
In fact, we had a, a, a sect, S-E-C-T, uh, a section of Christianity that said that all things physical were bad. In fact, you could do whatever the heck you wanted. As long as you are spiritually following Jesus. Your body doesn't matter. That's not the way this goes. That's not the way that Ju the Judaism teaches. It's certainly not the way Christianity does. So when you look at this, you have to know the difference between these two. We've been talking about this a little bit. What's going on here? The earth physically is going to get renewed. That's what this is talking about, the powers of, of darkness and that overcome and are against Christ. Um, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Kind of back to the parable of the sower again, you know, the different things that vie for, for what God wants. So, this world, James says it also. Uh, James says that you adulterous people, do, not, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So this just keeps going. And I was thinking, you think back, I don't know if you've read some of the theologians from the uh, World War II time. The one that I like to read is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who actually died in a prison camp because he was part of a... Uh, conspiracy to, to take out Hitler um, because he saw a better thing than allowing him to continue, but it didn't work. If, uh, but those people who were in Germany at that time, who were truly followers of Christ, they loved Germany. They loved that land and what it stood for, but not now. They didn't like that Germany. <laughs> they liked the real Germany, the one that honored God and where Luther came from. And all this, this is the, what they wanted. You know, we can superimpose that on our own land. You know, you can say, do you love America? I love what America stands for and when it honors God and puts him first and God we trust. I don't like it when we don't do that. And this is kind of what we're talking. You, you were in it. But we don't love the parts that are against God. When you look at 1 Corinthians 7, it says, Those who use these things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world as we know it will soon pass away. That's throughout all of Scripture. It's not going to last. It's going to pass away. This is what the new heaven and the new earth will, will take over. Um, so as we go into these Scriptures, Revelation 3 talks about this, and this is the letters to some of the churches. It says, all who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, and the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. So it's this idea that we're, we see this, we're citizens of heaven, we're not citizens of earth. And Psalm 37 talks about that if you if you want to turn to that psalm 37 is a is a wonderful psalm if you read through some of the psalms it's a uh, very helpful to kind of get us focused on what's going on the i don't really i, I have verses 9 11 and 22 here but verse 4 is one of my favorite verses um, delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart there's a whole nother sermon there do you want that one now 
Hearing none, we'll move on. Nine. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. And then you go on to 11. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Does that, that, does that ring a bell to anybody? The meek shall inherit? Where do we hear that? That's in the Beatitudes, isn't it? But how does that usually put? The meek shall inherit the earth. That's the same word. It's just, did you translate it land or earth? Jesus translated earth. <laughs> it's a little bit different, isn't it? And this is back in, in Psalm 37. And then you go down to, to, to verse 22. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. So what's this land? Is this just talking about the old covenant? This doesn't apply to us? If I wait long enough, will I inherit some land? As they say, I've got some nice land in the swamps of Florida if you want to buy it. Is that what we're talking about? I, I don't think that's it. There's something more here. We know that Christ will rule. We see this in Psalm 72. May he reign from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. All kings will bow down before him and all nations will serve him. So we know Christ is going to rule. The, the question isn't, is Christ going to rule? The question is, where are we in all of this? And as I look at this, it's a lot more frequent that we're going to be ruling with him than you would think in the Bible. So we're just going to talk a little bit about what that might mean. In Daniel 2, if you remember Daniel, the first part of that is more narrative. Daniel is an exile. He gets taken uh, in around 605 B.C. from his home in Jerusalem to the Babylonian Empire because he's one of the chosen ones. Uh, his friends, uh, Rakshak and Benny, go with him. There's a good account in there about them if you want to, uh, to read that. But this is a time, if you remember, this is a dream chapter, chapter 2. What happens is Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has a dream, and he wants somebody to interpret it. And I've said this before. I think I could probably do that. I'd be wrong. But if you told me a dream, I could guess. You know, maybe this means this, maybe this means that. But that's not what he asked. He asked, tell me what the dream was. That's a little harder. I couldn't do that. I could guess. I probably wouldn't get it right. So obviously this has to come from God. Eventually he gets this. But within that, it, it talks about, and it's, this is the first time we hear this, he's getting close to who this, this person in Daniel 7, which we'll get to later, but there's going to be these kingdoms. It was a statue and all these different kingdoms. And we think that probably it's the kingdom of Babylon that they're in and then the kingdom of Greece and then the kingdom of Rome. But then there's another one that comes that will never end and God will reign. So you start seeing that idea of God reigning and they're, they're looking for that. In Zechariah, you have that up there. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name will be one. Now, one way God is king of all the earth and another way he's not you know when Jesus comes in and he says that if he says that to, to Martha at the tomb of Lazarus he said if you believe in me you will never die so is anybody but Martha she died in one sense she did didn't she what's he talking about you're never gonna death's not going to 
be controlled over you. You're going to have an existence that's with me forever, which in your chart, if you want to grab one on the way out, it, current heaven is where people go who belong to Jesus, and then eventually a new heaven and a new earth. And this is outlined in Revelation 19, where you have Jesus coming on the white horse. I've seen a picture of this. It's pretty cool. I, I might get one of these from my office. Um, Jesus riding on the white horse with all the angels coming. And they're going to have this big fight between all the forces of evil. I mean, this would make a good movie if any of you like doing movies. Um, be better than lots of movies. I think this would be a really good movie to have. But it's interesting. It's this big battle, and they're getting ready for it. But on, on his sash, it said he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's finally he's coming to reign forever, and everything's going to go away that doesn't uh, belong to him. But what's interesting about that is eventually he just, they just win. It isn't really a battle. I mean, it's kind of interesting. Think about that. When Jesus encountered on earth, when he encountered an evil spirit that was controlling someone, was there a big battle there? Was there a big dialogue? Like, come out of there. No, I'm not. It's just boom. And that's the way it probably will be at that time too. And then Philippians 2 kind of helps us here. It gives us uh, some information about Jesus toward the end. Um, it's a kind of a Christ hymn. He says, therefore, is verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of it. So everybody's going to confess this. Even people who belong to him and people who don't belong to him. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis again. He says at that time, at the very end, what's going to happen is that those of us who belong to Jesus are going to bow down before him and with our heads bowed say, thy will be done. The ones who don't believe in Jesus, he's going to come up to them and say, thy will be done. And you'll get to go where you want to go. You don't want me? Then you get to go away away from me. Every knee will bow. But everybody will know at that time. That Now, the beauty for us, if you're a believer, is you already know that. By the witness of the Spirit and the witness of Scripture and hopefully the witness of other people, we already we already have that, and we've lost, but I've got it on here, so you guys can go ahead. We, we've lost our regularly scheduled program here, so. But you think about that, that's, that's the idea. Jesus will reign, he will reign in heaven, and he will reign in a way that everybody knows it, because there won't, you look at Revelation 20, there won't be any sinners left, it'll all be only those people who honor Christ. So, will we rule also? Well, if you turn to Revelation 22, um, that's where we find out that we're going to reign. It's, it's a very, uh, Scripture, it's at the end of the Bible. I realize sometimes that bothers us. We get, um, a lot of people don't want to read the book of Revelation. If you've been noticing, we've been in there quite a bit. Why have we been in Revelation so much about the new heaven and the new earth? about the only place that talks about it. We get it a little bit in, uh, in Isaiah 65 and 66, but for the most part, it's, it's all Revelation uh, 21, 22. 
So verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, you don't have to close your eyes, but I encourage you to close your eyes. There's nothing up there anyway, right? Oh, what do you know? Boom. <laughs> okay, don't close your eyes. But, but this is a wonderful picture. Uh, it's really cool the way this is, is put up. You know, keep thinking about this water of life bright as crystal. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on the other side of the river, the tree of life, there it is again, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and the serv His servants will worship Him. We talked about worship last week. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. I think that's metaphoric. I don't think we're talking about headbands here, although we could get that, right? Get a Jesus headband. We could all wear them the same week. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever. And who's they? Everybody with a headband. Everybody who believes. We're going to reign. So we're just going to look at what that might look like in different ways. Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? Ooh, I didn't. Now I do. And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? He's kind of using a metaphor there. Don't you realize that we will judge angels? How's that going to work? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. That's interesting. This is Paul in 1 Corinthians. In 2 Timothy, he says, if we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. We're going to reign with him. How's that going to work? We'll, we'll look at it. You'll get my opinion, obviously. Uh, Revelation 3, just a little later in the one we read earlier. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. We're going to sit with him on his Are we going to be on his lap like Santa Claus? You think? How's that going to work? Well, to kind of land the plane on how this is going to, this is hard. I remember when I was doing this series, I'm like, I don't know if I want to talk about that. That's one problem with doing a series on a topic. And you guys help me catch me. I don't want to leave stuff out. I mean, you know, 22 weeks is just touching it, and you know, I don't, probably don't want 122 weeks. But when you're preaching through a book, I, I think we're probably going to work our way through Mark here after this. But that's e it's easier in a sense that, well, what do I do? We finished with verse... 8 of chapter 7, we're going to go to verse 9 next week. It's not hard, but this is, I was going to, I was like, well, I don't know about this raining thing. I just can't get my mind around it. So I'm like, well, they probably want more than that. <laughs> so I looked into it. You know, when God began in, back in Genesis 1, he created male and female in his image. That's very important. There's something about mankind that's different than every other animal he created. It's the culmination of his creation. And we get a little bit more of that in chapter 2 with the dust and the breath and, and Adam and Eve and all that kind of stuff. Th what, what does it mean to be created in God's image? Well, part of it, you know, is obviously that we have a moral conscience, but the other part is apparently they're the ones ruling. He's supposed to take dominion over everything. God's intention for humans is that we would occupy the whole earth. Eden was just the beginning. 
You can get this from the book of Job and the Psalms. It's like this was just a start. Eden was just, and, the, and the, is it really the Garden of Eden? That's kind of, there's a garden in Eden. I'm sure there's a football field in there somewhere. You know, it was, it's it, on a mountain. You can get that from Ezekiel and other places. I mean, and we get Eden wrong. We think it's just like, you know, where we have radishes and stuff. No, this is, this was a, the place where they were started to be. It was supposed to, they were supposed to reign over all the world. So, who will we rule? This is a return to Eden. That's what Revelation 21 and 20, everything is made new, no sin, no sighing, no pain. All things are made right. Justice is done where justice should be done and grace is given where grace is received. Well, how are we going to, are we going to rule other people? Are we going to rule angels? And then I thought, maybe he'll create new beings for us to rule. What are they going to look like? Then I have to close my eyes again. Where are we going to rule? Well, on the new earth, but there was a movie, and it's not necessarily a Christian movie. I thought it was pretty good. It had Jodie Foster, and it's an older movie, probably a couple decades old, called Contact. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime, but or, or you know, get a crowbar and open up your wallet, and maybe spend four bucks for something else. But it's a pretty good movie. Um, but in there, it, it, she kind of encounters some things. But there's a line in there that her dad, who had passed away, she was an astronomer, um, when she was nine, they would look up in the telescope and see all these different. Things. I don't know if you've ever done that. You don't have to have a very strong telescope. Right now, Venus is not there right now, but in tomorrow morning it will be. If you have a decent, you can see it. You can see the, the spot on Jupiter if you have a decent telescope, the rings of Saturn. Of course, you have to know where to put it. But you think about it, if you understand science, there's so much stuff out there. So what is it all for? Is there a purpose for everything? You know, all, far as we know, Earth is the only place where sentient life is. But there's a line in there where she said, her dad told her, well, there must be some purpose for it because it seems like, otherwise it seems like a lot of wasted space. And I wonder if that's how that works. I don't know. There's going to be dominion. Maybe it's over the animals. I don't know how that works. We just sang that a little bit ago. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a, hmm, it's kind of in there, isn't it? And it's hard to, I don't know. Uh, so what's it going to be like? How will they rule? How will we rule? Well, there'll be no pride. Right now we think of rule, we think of people being oppressed. There's no envy, there's no boasting, there's no anything sin-related. The emphasis is the present heaven is on the absence of earth's negatives. That's what the current, but in the future heaven, it is the presence of earth's positives. Everything that's good now will be there in steroids, as they say. And remember, it's, this is why I had to put number 13 in there, and I didn't do this on purpose to make it 13. But this is clearly God's idea. He's the one that, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying, well, if you're good, you'll get to rule. That's not really what it says. If you're good, you go to hell, <laughs> if that's all you got. It's if you're forgiven, you get to rule. <laughs> if you belong to Jesus, you get to rule. It's all God's idea. And then 
going to Daniel 7. This is always a good passage to remember because I don't know if you remember this or know this, but the, the term that Jesus uses for himself the most in the Gospels is son of man. And he does it kind of weird. I remember Ricky Henderson. Anybody remember Ricky Henderson? He was a base stealer. I hated that guy because he beat Lou Brock's record. And everybody knows Lou Brock. Of course, everybody's like, who is he talking about? These are baseball players. Um, but Ricky Henderson was an interesting, very athletic, very good uh, at what he did. But he would, they'd go to an interview with him in the locker room, and they'd say, he'd say, uh, well, Ricky, tell me about the game today. So Ricky had a good game. Ricky stole three bases. Aren't you Ricky? <laughs> you know, it's like Turkish talking the third person. It's weird. Well, Jesus does that. He does this at the trial. You know, we had Pilate, but when he was before Caiaphas, he says, are you the Christ, the Son of God? And he kind of says yes, but he says it in a different way. He says, yes, and you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory. Well, who's this Son of Man? He's the one, it's him. Here's where it comes from. Another vision from Daniel. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is what he's referring to. And if you, you, you go down a little later to, to verse 27, and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. This is what we have to look forward to. It's going to be, and somehow we're part of that. So you think about it, through Judaism, God's people never looked for the Messiah to reign in heaven. He already does. That's, when we say that in the prayer, you know, we kind of mess up the, may your name be holy. I think we mess up your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not only talking about, though it is, that the heaven of God, what God wants from the Spirit comes into our hearts, so He is our King even now. It's also praying that you already reign in heaven. I'm going to be so happy the day that you also reign completely on earth. We are supposed to pray that all the time. We have this during Christmas of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end of the increase of his government on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The people have seen a great light, an increase, expanding into new territories. Is it possible that God will create even more? I don't know, maybe. He is a God of creation. Who knows what He will do? This is part of what we want to look. We want to look at heaven as something wondrous because it is. And I would encourage you not to say, well, I can't, I don't want to think about it because I don't know it all. Well, do you know your spouse or your friends completely and you do not think about them? I mean, just because you don't know everything doesn't mean you can't think about it. I think it's good to think about heaven. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. But we're given these scriptures 
We're given these promises that somehow we'll reign with Him. And maybe it's a metaphor, but I don't know. It doesn't look like it. And it appears, and we'll end with these scriptures, our faithfulness now appears to determine our responsibility then. So how faithful we are now does not determine whether or not we go to heaven. That's grace. But how faithful we are and gracious in what we do and how our soil and plant in that soil grows and makes a crop and does what God wants us honoring, might, it looks like the responsibility we have will be dependent on how we act here. Matthew 23, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. That's a heaven parable. You've done good here? Oh, here's some more stuff to do. Now, this shouldn't be the only reason you want to follow Jesus. But it is something to think about. This is kind of what that song is talking about, exchanging it for a crown. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. We want God to say, well done, not just the people on earth. That's a reward, but it's not the reward we should like. So today, summing this up, thinking about that, I'd like to hear maybe what you're thinking when you think about reigning. What's that? It can't, it's not oppressive. It can't be. That's not the way it works. There's no sin. So today, think about this. Jesus is not simply preparing a place for us. We, we've talked about that. Marcus said something about that. He's preparing us for that place. My hope for you is that you want to get into the Word, you want to worship, you want to know God better through your day-to-day -day activity, which can include football and going to parties and having fun and all those types of things. That, all that could be God-honoring. But think about it. He's preparing you for something that's going to last for an eternity. This doesn't last that long. And if it makes you bored or makes you like, eh, you're not understanding it right. Read when the people and the living beings are worshiping Christ in Revelation. Do they look bored? I mean, this can be boring because it's a sermon. I realize that. But God's never boring. And if our worship is boring, it's not His fault. It's ours. But think about Him preparing you that place. Let us pray. Father, as we think about reigning in the new heaven and the new earth, it can make us arrogant quickly, thinking that we're special, but this is something that we get by grace, but yet you ask us to delight in the things that you delight in, and then you'll give us what our hearts want. May our hearts be lined with you, what you want, and even if those days come when we don't feel like worshiping you, we don't feel like reading your word, we don't feel like doing those things that we pray that we will help us feel that way. May you prepare us for the place that you have made for us, a new heaven and a new earth where we'll dry, dwell only righteousness, no sin. Thank you for that.